Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Uh, Father, again, um, just I, I, we come to you and we want to hear your voice, we want to hear your truth. Um, God, I just pray that it's, it's clear that I'm, I'm chief, I'm the subject of the message here today. I'm speaking to myself, I'm accusing myself of things that I see. Um, God, and we need your grace. We need your mercy. Um, you are good. You are good. Um, you are holy, and you are Lord of all. I pray that we would all leave here um, just having something that we can give to you, having something that that confirms that we didn't come in here perfect, but we can, we can leave here a, a little bit closer. And just let me pray, amen. So without careful examination, we are all in danger of becoming Pharisees. Without careful examination, without looking at yourself, we're all in danger of being those guys that we just read about, the Pharisees. So, starting with key point one, this is going to be coming from verse seven. How be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men? So that first point, the carnal Christian will profess Christ, but their worship does not count. And I just threw carnal Christian up. We're going to be talking about carnal Christian a lot, and this is kind of my picture of, of Pharisees. What I'm getting is they're, they're in in exact literal time, like they're, they're, they, can't, they can't be carnal Christians because Jesus hadn't died yet. So it's like, you can't really call them that. But now, so like today, if I was living in, in carnality, if I was following my flesh, I would look a lot like a Pharisee. So, carnal Christians. Worshiping God is giving your life to him. In that verse he said, how be it in vain do they worship me, which would be saying that they are doing some form of worship. They have commandments. They have things that they want to do that they consider worship. They're religious. They want to look like they're worshiping God. But, but Jesus is saying, in vain, they're doing it. Worship is giving your life to, to God, living with him and leaving your flesh on the cross. We get it so twisted up when, when we think about it, we can do both. We, we can't leave our flesh on the cross and then still live the way. <laughs> like If you're living in the flesh, then you haven't left your flesh on the cross. If I'm doing what I want, then that means I didn't die today. I didn't let Jesus Christ pay for my sin today. I'm keeping it with me so that I can go and sin. The last thing that we want to find ourselves doing is wasting our time. Time is one of, if not the most precious resource we have. Eric talked about it in a message not too long ago. But it'd be so sad to know that you've wasted your time, essentially thrown it away. You know, I used to think not too long ago that, that it's like, as soon as I get this next thing, or as soon as I'm done with this, then I'll have so much more time. Like, if I could just marry Havala and not have to go date her all the time, then I'd have so much more time. Or if I get this promotion, then I'll have so much more time to do this, because I'll take it. But what I have learned is that that is never true. I never get more time. I only get less time. You know, like that's what, this is like not spiritual of me, but when guys don't, specifically guys, because that's who I'm texting, I do a lot of prefacing. 
just listen. Um, when guys, when I'm texting guys, like asking them to do something, they're like, oh man, just a busy season of life right now, I don't have time. Like, you won't ever have time. I don't have time. <laughs> Anyways, no, I'm not saying do whatever I say, but something to think about is you won't have time. How you value that thing, is that's, that determines if you're gonna do it or not. Not if you have time, but if you're going to make time for it. Will you make time for this? Because it has to happen or it doesn't have to happen. There's not gonna be more time for it. So are you gonna do it or not? You know. Soapbox, off it. So you wouldn't get your paycheck, you wouldn't get like a $600 paycheck and say, all right, tithe, whatever, I'm gonna take $100 of it, and I'm just gonna burn that. <laughs> I'm just gonna burn $100 just cuz. But that's what we do with our time, and we don't want to do that. We don't wanna waste our time. That's what the Pharisees were doing with worship in vain. They were spending time worshiping, dedicating parts of their life to worship, and it was, it was vanity, it didn't count. It was getting paid and then just not having that money. That money's being gone. You're burning it. And sadly, we do this all the time. I do it all the time. The Pharisees were doing it. And it's exactly what Israel had been guilty of since God rescued them. That's the funny part is he's saying, Moses said this to you. Isaiah said this to you. These guys are saying this to, this, to the fathers and their forefathers, the elders of Israel, are the guys who passed down these traditions of men that the Pharisees are still following. The traditions of men that God from the Old Testament is, the, is calling them out over and over again. Look at Amos chapter five. This is a group of Israelites who are worshiping God, who are having their feast days, who are, who are doing it with the traditions of men. I sound like I'm in a barrel. Just kidding. It is ringing though, if you wanna look at that. Amos chapter five, starting in verse 18. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. So it's a group of Israelites, and they're having their feasts. They're worshiping the Lord. They're, they're saying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. They're not saying that, but that's, you know, in spirit what they're saying. And he's saying, woe unto you that do that. Be careful when you're asking for that, because to what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light, as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Just, that's, that's, a, that's a funny, like, poor illustration. Like, you're, you get done mowing the lawn, you're like, whew, and then, <laughs> snake. <laughs> uh, Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? I hate and I despise your feast days, and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. That's God when this group of people are worshiping him. You look around, you're like, yeah, the church is the church, and you worship God however you want, and if, you're, if you say God, yeah, he's a, he's a brother, and he's worshiping. These Old Testament guys, they were, they were having feasts, they were, they were making offerings, they were sacrificing their, their resources, that means they were sacrificing animals, which was money to them, and they're worshiping, and they're doing all this stuff, they're burning up smells, and God's response to them is, I hate that. I despise that. I don't want anything to do with it. Get out of here. Because it's wrong. They weren't doing it rightly. They were being a Pharisee and not a disciple. 
It's probably really confusing, but we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep talking about it until we learn about it. False worship is lip curling to God. You know, he's like, I hate that, I despise that. And he's just like, you know that little face when you're like, ugh, and your lip kind of curls? Oh, I hate that. The act of worship, as most of us know, is showing what something is worth. The Pharisees had not only the words of God, not only the words of God, this is where I was supposed to bring my Bible, I don't even know where my backpack is. They didn't have just the words of God, but the Pharisees in this chapter, Jesus Christ, the word of God, that's who they were talking to. They had the word of God, and they were talking to the word of God, but their worship is still wrong, in vain. He's telling them it's in vain. Instead of following him or obeying him, they were following the commandments of men. This would look like coming to church, singing the songs, going to Bible study, serving in your ministries, but never spending quality time with the whole reason to do that in the first place. God says, you honor me with your lips. He says, the Pharisee, you're you're a whited sepulcher. Your throat is an open grave. Romans 3.13 says, their throat is an open sepulcher, and their tongues they have used deceit. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Lips. I hate your feast days. You call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say. Why are you calling me Lord, Lord, if you won't do what I tell you to do? Why? So if, if I have a boss, and he's like, hey, I need you to go clean that room. I say, hey, boss, what do you want me to do? I need you to clean that room. I'm not going to do that. Why did I even call him my boss in the first place? Right? That's what we do with God. God, Lord, Lord, sin, here am I, sin me. He's like, all right, well, do this, this, and this. Get in discipleship, take a chill pill, be content with me. We're like, nah, I want to go to Dallas. Just kidding. I don't, I don't know. Dallas is good. Go there. Matthew 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in, 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 in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? Didn't we go to church? Didn't we serve? Didn't we labor and, and give our time to make sure everyone had their Tuesday night meal? Didn't I sacrifice for you so that the. Didn't I? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This is what is at stake. It's, it's, it, I don't know. It's a big deal. Not that our salvation is in danger, but if you aren't actually worshiping Christ, then you may not actually be saved. And that's a big deal. So does Jesus say to you, I never knew you? Or does Jesus say, well done, Let's, give me a hug. You will know if your worship is true when you crave it. So how be it in vain they do worship me? Biblical worship will fill a cup dried from physical sacrifice. Does that make sense? So me sacrificing in in the right way and I'm exhausted and you're thinking, man, I need a vacation or I need to go home and just play some video games. Maybe you do, but what worship does is gives you that rest it fills your cup right back up. Because you remember that he is worth it. 
You're saying, okay, Jesus, you're worth it. I'm going to do whatever you say. Man, I'm super tired now. Oh, yeah, Jesus, you're worth my whole life. Oh, man, I'm super tired. Oh, yeah, Jesus, you're worth everything. Why wouldn't I keep sacrificing? Why do I need to go to Colorado and ski? Alaska and see whales. Just kidding. No, I'm going, on, I'm going on vacation to Belize. It's okay to take vacations. I'm just being silly. But how satisfying to be spending your life poured out in dedication to Jesus Christ. You have your life and you say, Jesus, you're worth it. And you're giving it to him. And then, and then you come together and we get to cry out. And then you come to church. And you're like, no way, dude, you're doing that. Woo, Jesus, you're worth it. Oh, you're doing it too. Woo. And we're all, woo. That's why it needs to be super loud and not super slow. Maybe both. Ah, variety, a variety kind of guy. But if you're singing from your heart and you're worshiping from your gut and your soul of what Jesus Christ means to you, of what he did, man, that fills you up because you remember whatever you came with, whatever your week looked like, maybe it was a terrible week. And you go, oh yeah, Jesus, you're worth it. Thank you for dying on the cross. I had a bad week. Forgive me and let's get right again. Worship can fire you up. Because he's worth it. You remember what Christ is worth and knowing that you are giving it all to him because he's worth it. You don't hold anything back. That's worship. And we, we've, we've hammered this. If you've done a word study, you've probably looked at the first mention of, of worship. But what it does is define for you what a word will mean more or less for the rest of the, of the Bible. So you go to the first mention. It's like, hey, What's worship? What's the first time it's used? All right, cool. And then every time you see worship, you've got to keep that first one in thought. Pretty much, like 85% of the time. What's the sat? Not that one. I didn't know if somebody actually knew it. and they'd. <laughs> All right, Genesis 22, verse 2. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac. This is God saying to Abraham. Take your only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. This, putting it all into perspective, is God asking Abraham to go worship. What am I worth to you, Abraham? Am I worth this? Abraham immediately, yes, sir, I'll do whatever you say. His own son. Abraham is able to offer his own son to God because God is worth it all. The amount of worth that Abraham is ascribing to God is, is all of it. <laughs> There's no like, he's describing this much or this much. He's this dedicated. No, he got the picture that his whole life was God's. Whatever God asks is, is God's. If your boss, whatever you tell me to do, boss, I'm your employee. That's how this works. Abraham gets it. Whatever God says, you are worth it. Even if it's my own son. Ouch. But I'll do it. He's saying, my entire life, 
my understanding, my emotion, the blood pumping through my body, my natural impulses, the nature of what defines me as a human, the fundamental thing about, about me, that I'm, I'm a husband and, and I'm a father, my kids, all of that, the framework on which I've developed my understanding for everything does not matter one bit in the face of God's commandment. That's what he's saying with his worship. All of that, I don't, why would I think anything other than whatever you say? That's how worth, worth it it is to Abraham to follow God. And that's worship. And Amos 5 makes a little more sense here in contrast to this. Abraham is willing to do anything. The children of Israel are doing what they want and it's disgusting to God. It makes a little more sense. He's like, this dude was willing to kill his own son for me. Not that I wanted that, but that's how willing he was. And then you guys are, are trying to phony this up, be like this with whatever you wanted it to be. Abraham is willing to give anything. He only follows God. That's it. That's worship. And by, by comparison, the foundations of the Pharisees, so the Old Testament, Amos, those are the guys setting all the rules that end up being the Pharisees. Those guys are making God basically cuss. That's my, like, you know, God's cussing in Amos 5. It just looks different nowadays. And also, no shocker, when God wants to spit Laodicea out of his mouth. Like, he's, he's acting like that to Amos, and then, like, us as a church age, when he takes a sip of it, he's like, that is nothing like Abraham. It's like a rich, fruity juice with pineapple and, and cranberry and you just worked out, and you're like, mm, I want a crisp, fruity taste. And then you'd sip Cran Raspberry LaCroix. <laughs> and it's nothing like it. Blah! I'm just kidding. I love LaCroix, but I, that was for Alex, really. But this is the context. Jesus understands that wor what worship is because his whole life is worship. So Jesus gets it because he's God, but not only that, his whole life is worship because he came to earth to die for what God said. He came to earth in worship. Based on our sacrifice, what is our worship? What is your worship? What's my worship? If, it, if it's based upon what you're willing to sacrifice, what does my worship look like? Do I keep, do I keep time for myself you know, a, a men's commandment, following the commandments of men, maybe what I want to do is, is, well, I need time for God, but I also need time for myself. I also need time with my family. Good things, not bad things. But that's not what God said. If he, if he says, hey, give me this, it doesn't matter. The other things don't matter. You know, to Abraham, God says, Abraham, offer me Isaac. So he didn't say, but God, you gave me Isaac. He's my son. He says, yes, God. Yes. It wasn't about if it was right or not, or good or not, or, or a principle, or something you learned in discipleship. What did God ask? Is he worth obeying? Yeah, so man's commitment. Well, I need time for God. I need time for myself. I need time for my family. Okay, sacrifice your son. That's what God has to say to that. Do I, do I keep my sins for myself? Man's commandment is, well, I'm a sinner, 
And I won't lose my salvation if I just scroll this explore page on Instagram. It's like, not, that's not even the thing anymore. I don't even know what the thing is nowadays. What do you guys do that's secretly sin? I feel like Instagram stuff's like lame now. I don't know. Like, my hair's getting gray and I don't know. But we still do that stuff. And I don't even know what girls do. Guys do that. So Romans 6.1, that's letting your sin abound. That grace may, letting your sin continue that grace may abound. I, I didn't write it down, so. Wyatt, what's uh, Romans 6.1 say? Ah. We're starting over. Ashton, sorry, we're starting over. Okay, so do you keep your image? Men's commandment is that I am who I am, and this is how God made me, so I'm going to like wear what I want and be who I want and talk the little slang that I want. And I have a coworker who's from Blue Springs, decided that he wanted to have a Texas accent. So he just talks in a Texas accent. Like, you know, he's a blue-collar guy, so it like sounds like he's a part of the group. But everyone's like, dude, we know. You're just pretending to have that accent. But is that the image that you want? I am who I am, and this is how God's made me. Philippians 3, 7 says, But what things were gained to me, those counted I lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them all but dung, that I may win Christ. I like to say dung, it's like a, it's the bull kind of dung. And then you sound it out and change the word to start with an S. That's what it is. It's all bull, the S word that is dung. Get it? There's, Sam probably has a super clever way of saying it without saying it, but I didn't look into it. Like, do, we, do we just like, we're not willing to obey God because we want to be cool? Because we, we care about what people see? Because we care about not seeming nerdy? Yeah, I won seven games in a row on Magic the Gathering Arena last night. It's hard to do. It's hard to do a draft and win seven in a row. And I just told you guys all that. Because I don't care if you think I'm cool. I, uh, I just I play card games. You care about, about getting like sick gains? That's all you care about? Hitting the gym? This is what I'm doing. Getting my juicy teardrops right here. Mmm. In my chest, mm, pumping it out. That's what you care about? You're willing to worship God until it's like, okay, don't look nice when you take off your clothes. Really puts that worship into perspective, doesn't it? Doesn't it? All right, so that was a lot of stuff about vain worship, but vain worship is such a big deal that it needed a long key point. So, carnal Christians are self worshipers. Pharisees, their worship was in vain because they're worshiping self. It's worked itself around. They've changed the rules. They're still rule followers, but what they're worshiping isn't God. God said, I hate that worship. That worship is in vain, is what Jesus said. So what are they worshiping? Themselves. Moving on. Mark chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. This will be key point two. For laying aside the commandment of God. So the Pharisees had the commandment of God. They set that aside. I don't want this, can I have another? I don't like cheese pizza, can I have pepperoni? Ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many such other like things you do. He's like, you had the commandment of God and you're talking about pots and cups and washing your hands? I'm talking about the commandment of God. 
I sent Jesus Christ to you, and you're talking about pots and pans? That's what he's saying. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. The carnal Christian rejects God for their own desires. Following the commandments of men is so common because, because it allows you to trick yourself into feeling like you're right and good. You think that you're in good standing with God. You think that you're worshiping. And you, you think that everything is all right. I'm a good guy. This is all great. I'm not like out here doing bad stuff. You get to trick yourself into doing that. But really, you've just justified the things that you wanted to do, not left them behind and sought after what God wanted. That's all you did. God wanted you to do this. Hey, but I still want to do this. Let me find a form of religion that allows me to keep doing what I want, but feel like I'm worshiping God too. That's not what Jesus came for. That's not worship. That's not sacrifice your son for me. That's let me just... uh, do it the way I want to do. The carnal Christian really just wants the easy way. There's a subtle difference between efficiency and laziness. Where's Sam? There's a subtle difference. Efficiency is a mindset of this needs to be done. How can we get this done the most, the most, the best way to get it, keep, keep it going, like <laughs> keep doing it. I need to be efficient. Laziness is, I don't want to try hard, so how do I get it done? Uh, I don't know if it really worked. I tried to fit it in. Me and Sam were arguing about that in Bible study. So, does that make sense? Isn't efficiency different than laziness? Say it really loud. Say, isn't efficiency different than laziness? Burn, dude. A carnal Christian's thoughts begin and end with what they want. When you aren't willing to leave your flesh on the cross where Jesus paid for it, it is easier to make your own way by your own rules. So when you don't leave your flesh on the cross, if you're going to keep it with you, you you can't walk with God because it's impossible. So you have to make something happen in order for you to be walking with your flesh and then having a God in your life somehow. Right? That's the only way that's possible is for you to make up your own rules. And this explains so much for us at what the Pharisees were all about. It all, like, all makes sense now. So why are they so obsessed with pans and, and pots and washing, of your, like, washing your hands and you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this? It's because they're trying to live in the flesh but still seem like they're worshiping God. And the only way to reconcile that is to make up your own rules. That's the only way it happens. You're like, ah, it makes so much sense. They were about themselves and so created rules and laws that imitated the words of God so that they could appear holy, but in reality only, only obedient to themselves. This is exactly what their forefathers did. As the word of God is being like written, as God is with people, Deuteronomy 5, sorry, oh, that's gross. Deuteronomy 5, 22. These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount out of the midst of the fire of the cloud and of the thick darkness with a great voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them in two tables of stone and delivered them unto me. And it came to pass, when ye heard, when ye heard the voice out of the midst of darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire. So the mountain 
is on fire, and then out of that, there's a voice. Just imagine that, first of all. That ye came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. So like the leaders, that would be like, there's a giant fire over here speaking to us, and we're all like, What's it, what did it say? And we all kind of like, what's it saying? What's this voice out of that mountain of fire? And we've seen this day that God, wait, no, 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 no. 24, and ye said, behold, the Lord our God has showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that the Lord doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of fire as we have and lived? Go thou near and hear all that the word, uh, all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. Already making up their own rules. They said, who can go near there and not die? It's a mountain of fire. Moses, you go and tell us what he says. <laughs> did, did you see that? They're like, I can't go here. I'll burn. Hey, man, why don't you go over there? Like, what do you mean? You just said you're going to burn. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when ye spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. Oh, that there was such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go say to them, get ye into, their, into your tents again. But as for thee, Moses, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. Like, this is basically the foundation of the Pharisees. Like, this heart, he's like, man, I wish they would just listen to what I'm saying and do it, because then the children would be well. Then the Pharisees might not have so much bad stuff, and they could accept Jesus. And it could, you know, that's a little LFBI for you. But you know why they couldn't go, go be by the fire? It says in verse 26, For who is there of all flesh... Do you, do you, you see what I'm saying? Who is there of flesh that can, hurt, that can go to that fire and live? God says, that's the whole point. I don't want your flesh. I don't want that old man. That's why Jesus died on the cross, because I want to be with you, not the old man. It's supposed to be dead. You're supposed to be burned in the fire so that I can hang out with you. You're supposed to let that old man die because God wants to talk to you because he wants, he wants to sit down with me at my table and he wants to speak to me from the Bible as I read it. But he's like, hey man, I can't do that. If your flesh is there, it's just going to burn. And I'm like, well... Just, just let Brandon go and then have him tell me what you have to say. You know, and a lot of us, that's how we get by for a while. 
If you're not careful, you can get by on just hearing from Moses, hearing from the guys that, that do leave their flesh behind and they go meet with God. And then before you know it, your Christianity is just made up of what you hear at church or the, the worship and the spiritualness that you glean from getting together. That's not worship. God is a burning fire on the mountain. He is holiness, freedom from sin, which requires me to leave all my sin behind that he paid for, that he took, that the only way I have it is I grabbed it again. It's for me to leave that behind and go be with him. A true disciple has nothing to fear physically in the presence of God. There isn't any danger of losing something when everything is God's anyway. The Israelites had to begin the creation of their own commandments because they were not willing to lose anything to gain Christ. They weren't, they weren't willing to. I'm not going to risk my flesh. I'm going to let Moses go talk to God. Colossians 3, Sam said it and we sang it and it's in here. Set your affections on things above, not on things of earth. You know how Abraham got to say yes to God, asking him for his son? Because he wasn't, he wasn't a worldly-minded guy. Of course his son meant a lot to him. Of course my sons mean a lot to me. And it would be crazy for God to ask me to sacrifice them. Like, I don't know, but if he did, would I do it? Does it matter how I perceive? Maybe I sound like a crazy person now. You're like, whoa, 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 you're getting a little crazy there. Don't say that stuff out loud. But if God asks you to do something, are you going to do it no matter what? Does it matter what I think about what God asked? What God asked? I don't ever do that. I don't know what happened. I'll say it again. We follow our own rules because we aren't willing to lose our desires to gain Christ. The Pharisees are always so ridiculous, but only when you gloss over how similar they are to the way we act. I've come to a place in life where seeing the Pharisees in the gospel isn't so much funny, it's very sobering. Because I know I'm at risk of being that dumb. I am that dumb. When you are holding on to yourself, your perspective, your goals, your wants, your opinions, your view, it will be easier for you to adapt God's word into your commandments, because that's already the pattern, my view, my understanding, my desires, might as well be my commandments. You will always just be a carnal Christian until you allow the word of God to transform your life. The word of God and the word of God. (laughs) So let's move on. Mark 7, verse 10. For Moses said, Honor thy father and mother, And whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. So, before we kind of move on, let's let's kind of recap here. This recap was in the digital version. So if you're like critiquing me on critique forms right now, you know, some of it's I lost the iPad. Anyways, but that first point of the section is that their worship was in vain. There's there's three parts to this, and I kind of didn't balance it well. But the Pharisees' worship was in vain. We can have vain worship. 
There's no point in us worshiping if it's for the wrong reasons. Point two, that next section, was that they are rejecting God for their own desires. So we're at risk of wasting our lives in vain worship, and we're doing it because we want what we want. And then this last point is that, you know, you may be able to cover that up and not see it, not hear about it. Like, maybe you don't even know that you're doing it. You probably do. I don't know how you wouldn't. But carnal tenets, values, commandments, carnal rules, carnal things that I've established as the way I live my life, lead to carnal actions which expose the carnal desires of your heart. A carnal mindset, a carnal heart, will ultimately reveal itself. There isn't any point to trying to do both, because you can't. You you can't follow God and live a carnal life. Faking a walk with God is pretty difficult, and if someone pays attention, they can see it. And and Corbin, in those verses, would be the example. Because the way God set it up was here so that the mother and father are taken care of. Like it was a commandment of God that the children take care of their mother and father. And, and then how the commandments of men were exposed is that what they turned it into was, well, whatever I do for my mother and father, they should count it a blessing. It's like a subtle change, but it's like, hey, you do anything for your mom and dad, or hey, just do what you feel like doing. That's the difference. This is the result of misplaced rules. The way God set, set something up versus the way man spelled it out. We think that we can do both at the same time. We think that we can live our lives and then come serve Jesus, but when we don't give him all that he's worth, when we follow our own rules to get what we want, no. What happens? You just get frustrated. You get in this loop of never moving forward. You don't, you're not satisfied in what you're doing. You, you go, you get home from work, and you're like, man, it just feels like, what's the point? Like, why am I even working? What's, the, what, what's this life for? What am I doing? Because when you're not living for God, then it's, it is pointless. Because uh. if I live the way I want, I'm just going to get my results, and they're worthless. Who cares what I wanted? You know that verse about a father and his gifts? What? If a fa- if, ye, if, ye then, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more You guys are acting like you kind of know it, but you're not sure. How much more will God do it? You just paraphrase. That's how you act like you know it. If, if you can conceive of how to be a good dad, how much more will God just be a perfect dad and blow your picture of it out of the water? Right? You get that. that he's, it's completely different. So who cares? Or why would I want my kids to grow up the way I want them to? Why would I want that? when I know the way God wants them to grow up is a bazillion times better and different and sees things I don't see and knows things I don't know. But no, man, I can't give it up. But no, man, 
that mountain's on fire. And it'll hurt if I get too close because it's too hot. Just let Moses go. Just let Brandon go. Just let my Bible study leader go. He'll tell me what God has to say, and I'll keep doing what I can do. What's the big deal? Why can't I do both? Why can't I just do ministry, let other people evangelize, and then come home and sin? What's, what's the cost? What's the point? Like, I'm not suffering. I'm still saved. I'm still going to heaven. Well, first of all, no servant can serve two masters, for, he will, uh, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. What time are we supposed to be done? Okay. That's good. That's good. So you'll either love the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. James 3.12, can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Will an apple tree drop watermelons from it? No, because they grow separate places, first of all. Will, will a vine tree grow figs? So no fountain can, can both yield salt water and fresh. Jesus is worth it all. He's better than anything that you can imagine, and we are never too far gone. Today is the day of salvation, and today is the day of repentance. If you see carnal tendencies in your life, it is as, it is as, as simple as grabbing someone for accountability and praying it up, praying it over to the Lord, saying, hey, I was like that, but you know what, God? You're right, and it's worthless, and you are worth it, and I want to give that to you. He's like, yes, Come. <laughs> Come be with me again. If you see carnal tendencies in your life, stop it. Give it up. Repent. Or you're just going to keep being that guy. Keep being the Pharisee. So now you can either pray and accept him into your heart because you, you, you know either you're saved or you're not saved. If you're not saved... Jesus died on the cross for all of those things. Your death, the sacrifice of the spotless lamb, was the only way to pay for my sin. It was the only way to pay for your sin. So you either pray and accept him into your heart, believe in him and what he did, and leave your life behind, leave it nailed up on the cross, just like he rose up from the grave, just like we rise up from the water in baptism, we can be raised in new life. I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner, I'm guilty, you're right, man, I do those things, I'm not willing to give up what Abraham, you know, I'm not, I'm not there, I'm like the Pharisees, all you gotta do, boom, just like Jesus died, just like we're baptized, we, we take our, ourselves spiritually and we go down and we die with Jesus. That was the power of his death, taking your sins and dying for it, and all you say is, yep, I wanna do that too, I believe in you. And it's dead, and then when you rise again, it, it's not the dead thing that rises. It's your spiritual man. You're one with Christ. And you definitely need to talk to somebody. I'm not trying to say the whole salvation thing right now. If, if you feel like you need to be saved, it's along those lines. And just grab somebody, and it's super easy. You just are praying that, and you're confessing your sin. Or you need to remember that sacrifice. You need to remember who God is. And all that you need to do is walk through that crucifixion in prayer. So think of your old man, your sin, your desires. Place them in the hands of Christ as he's nailed to the cross. 
the path you take, the goals you have, the money and the pride, the places that the feet, the places you want your feet to go, you put them in the feet of Christ as they're nailed to the cross. Your thoughts and your mind and, and, and all the, the things that you want up here are in Christ's head as a crown of thorns, you know, stabs it, kills it. And you allow it to be shoved down and you allow that old man to die with Christ because he rose with a new body. And that's just like your salvation. You can rise. It's just like your repentance. Put that stuff back where it belongs, back where Jesus had it, and raise up a new man. Wash yourself of that stuff. Because he rose with a new body, and just like your salvation, you rise from the dead, no longer a captive to those things, but freed in the liberty and power of Christ overcoming it. He is so worth it, so we worship him. He did all that stuff for us, so we worship him. In honor of this gift and holiness and the righteousness of his words and actions and cause and the path, we follow him, letting him make the rules. So if the praise team could come up, we will close in worship. If you have, you know, something to pray about, um, so if you are that, if you, if you recognize you don't have Jesus Christ, I encourage you to talk to somebody about it. And I did a poor job of, of you know, telling you about how to get saved. But please grab somebody, because um, we need to talk about that. But if you also need to repent, please do that as well. It's, it's, I don't, it's, you're never going to be able to do it if you keep feeling it and then ignoring it. It's just, just do it. You're still going to be wasting your time. You're still going to be burning that paycheck. You're still worshiping in vain unless you change the way you worship. today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.